This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. If you were to oversee publicity and marketing for a major publisher of self-help, inspirational, and transformational books for a decade and a half, you'd probably learn something and be impacted enough for your own life to transform. I just described Rochelle Fredson, founder of Purposeful Platforms and former director of publicity and book marketing for Hay House. Coming up, you'll hear Rochelle share how she developed her intuitive skills working with household names like Dr. Christiane Northrup, Gabby Bernstein, and Wayne Dyer. How the spirituality and wellness fields have gone from being on the fringes to being more widely accepted in everyday culture and business. Her top recommendations for effective storytelling and for when you are looking to write a book the power of language and marketing, and the need for more diverse voices. And how an epiphany at the end of her maternity leave led her to do what she loved while still being able to spend time with her baby. Welcome to the All Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Rochelle, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So I know you have worked for many years in publishing and specifically for Hay House. So I wanted to start there and, and my goodness, it's such a, a huge, uh, publisher. There's so many favorite authors of mine. I'm curious, what was the experience like working with so many spiritual authors, especially? And what were your favorite moments? Yeah, I feel incredibly blessed to have worked for such a wonderful organization, you know, bringing uh, powerful work to people who may not otherwise know it was there. You know, I didn't start on a spiritual path. I had no connection to spirituality when I started at Hay House. So this wow, was, and you ended up there. That's awesome. Yes, it was incredibly eye-opening. I was actually in um, corporate PR in an agency in San Diego uh, for a couple years uh, before joining Hay House. And when I came up for an interview uh, to the office, I didn't have an intention of working in publishing. It had never been something that I aspired to. I, I was the kid in school who was reading the Cliff Notes versions of everything. You know, right? <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't get me to sit with a book and and finish it from cover to cover. Um, but I ended up having such an incredible connection with the people who worked there. Just off being interviewed, just touring the office and feeling the energy of the space. And they sent me home with a box of goodies that they had recently published and basically said, this, this would be your world now. And if you're okay with it, then, you know, we'd love to have you. And back then, 15 years ago, it was, um, you know, some of their core products, like, you know, magical unicorns and angels and fairies and um, magical dolphins. And, you know, it, it was so um, deeply sort of spiritual, magical work that I thought this is a this is sort of a 
direct conflict to the Sony and the McDonald's and the big corporate clients that I was working on at the time, but it intrigued me. And so I really decided to take this plunge uh, into this spiritual space that I wasn't familiar with and didn't have a direct uh, connection to and just give it a go just because the energy was so great, which I later learned tuning into energy is actually crucial in decision making. So I kind of went in with a bang and ended up, you know, having 15 incredible years there. Um, as far as some of my favorite clients and favorite projects to work on, um, I really had a, a deep connection to things in uh, the energy realm, right? So learning how to tune into our own intuition. Sonia Choquette is a great model for that type of work. Um, the, I love her. I know. And she's she just... She got me totally into this. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's so exciting. It's really her books that, that helped me learn about intuition and, yeah. and all of it. Wow. Because And she's got a great gift. And so many of the Hay House authors uh, do have this great gift of taking sort of this high-level, deeply spiritual information and making it tangible for the reader, right? Because what I know from the marketing and PR of a book is if you don't allow someone to feel the change quickly, they probably won't stick with it. So, you know, having these um, really broad concepts and making them um, sort of, uh, you know, bite-sized pieces for people uh, really creates impact in their lives, um, Christiane Northrup, Dr. Christiane Northrup, who I, I like to say is my second mom. Um, she's speed dial on my text chain all the time with any women's health 911 emergency I'm having. Um, but, you know, just a really great, powerful voice in the women's health space for us to take back, um, you know, th- having a say in our own health and not leaving it up to healthcare providers and, you know, tuning into our bodies. Um, so, you know, I, I was able to, um, sort of be a student of many of these teachings and then help propel their platforms forward so they can reach more and more people. Wow. And Dr. Northrup is a, uh, is or was an OBGYN was, surgeon yeah. herself. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and I, I love that combination of the, the rational, like I call it the rational mind combining with the intuitive mind and, and then sharing that uh, very specific message to the world. Exactly. And, and, and I remember her saying in an interview at one point that the work that she's talking about now, right, the energy work, the, um, the goddess work, the, the real um, empowering work is what she always believed even when she was practicing medicine like in the clinic. But at that time, wasn't necessarily something you could openly talk about, um, you know, without potentially losing your license. And as she sort of um, grew in her profession and and became this household name, she uh, felt the need to really speak up that she believed in angels and energy and all these things that uh, that would be maybe considered woo woo at the time, um, but actually has really profound power over our health. Um, And so. You know, like I said, when I first started uh, in the spirituality space, you couldn't find a self-help section in a bookstore or spirituality. It was really viewed as almost like cult work. Um, when what year was that? Let me. That was two thousand three. So it was really not that long ago, right? It was but in the, the evolution yeah. has been incredible. Wow, I do remember the first time I went to a Barnes and Noble and they saw 
uh, I forgot what it used to be. It was probably called self-help maybe, and now it's called something else. Now they have, I think, some transformation. Yeah. And, right? It so was multiple sections rather than one small section. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it's been it's been incredibly interesting to watch the the transformation and the growth in the spiritual industry uh, in the wellness industry because um, it took – people like the Gabrielle Bernsteins of the world to take a message um, that that maybe felt too out of grasp and bring it to a level that made sense for a younger demographic. Um, the younger demographic, the 20 and 30 somethings are really helping to drive this industry in momentum um, as opposed to um, maybe an older demographic that came in under under one author or the the hardcore, you know, people who studied the actual Course in Miracles, you know, that are doing this work. And then everyone's able to take this interpretation and put it in their own words and reach a new audience. That's, that's such a, an interesting perspective that you have, that you, that you got to see how an industry evolved over time. I want to dig a little deeper into that because it's not, it's not something that, that we um, typically pay attention to. And I think there can be more um, awareness about it as well, because I think people take uh, the acceptance for, at least I do, take it for granted. So when you first started out, what was the reception like? Like, was there was there um, kind of active hostility towards some of the concepts that were being brought about? What was the nature of that yeah, I don't I wouldn't say hostile, but I would say there was a fear of it for sure, a definite fear um of of what this content was or who these people were, were they, you know, was I working with witches and, you know, people who were doing, you know, voodoo. That's what it was almost perceived as. People thought it was so strange. Um I remember because when I first started, I worked in in PR and media that that certain producers would say to me, "Look, I love this content and I live this content, but I cannot put it on my show. Oh, Our wow. advertisers won't like it. You know, the the executive producer won't let us get away with this. But I personally love it, but I can't put it on my show. So it was a struggle to get sort of this widespread representation of how amazing this work was um, because media-wise there was a lot of resistance. And you were reaching out to TV, radio? All of it. All of it. Yeah, TV, radio, magazines. Um, and especially because Louise Hay was such a pioneer in this space. Uh, people oftentimes knew of her work, and obviously her um, career really launched from her work um, with AIDS in the 80s um, and being a support system for, for men with AIDS. And um, when she was on Oprah you know, and she, her name sort of grew and became more of a household name in her work with affirmation, affirmations and self-love. Um, then people, you know, were sort of tuned in, but but there were so many other supporters of the movement that no one um, really knew of. And so it was sort of this, um, like this grassroots uprising that took time, um, which is why I think some people who really... Um, made the information as useful as possible, really were able to build these incredible brands because they were taking the deeply spiritual work without that label. 
right? Like how we talk to ourselves and our self-esteem and things like that instead of, um, you know, calling it affirmation, manifestation and all of these things, which now I hear people using that language on the streets all the time, just walking down, you know, the street in New York City. It's grown so much. Yeah, even in, in mainstream TV, it's it's everywhere. Uh, conversations in business, less so. I'm curious how how that has um, been something you perceive because it's it's interesting. You 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 mentioned you did not have a background in spirituality, and yet you walked into the office and you felt the energy, though you didn't really have a, a vocabulary for what it was, but you felt it. And and now this is you know something that you're well versed in. What what is that like now that you're an entrepreneur navigating uh, business plus spirituality as you know it? To me, those concepts go hand in hand. So to me, um, I don't think that successful businesses happen without a, a moral compass. Um, without having a tie to what your personal interests are or what you want for the bigger community, what you want in the world. I hear people talk a lot about influence and it, and it's a word that has become hollow because a lot of people want influence for the wrong reasons um, or they throw that word around because it's trendy. Um, but I think to have a business that has basis in um, mission-driven work and, uh, you know, just growth spiritually, who we are as humans um, is is work that I want to be in. You know, I, I'm able to work with, with people who aspire to be authors, who aspire to teach on a bigger scale and, and take their mission of self-healing um, and, and sort of uh, recovery and, and all these incredible aspects and launch forward and and build their businesses based on their personal missions. Um, and it's it's funny that you ask about the sort of corporate culture, because I think in the same way that 15 years ago, producers responded to me by saying, I believe in this work, we just can't talk about it, um, is what's happening in, in corporate America, too. I know many major, major companies who bring in people who t- do space clearings to energetically clear space, to put furniture where it's going to bring the most abundance, to color uh, the walls in their office for financial prosperity or for, you know, right, the uh, the war rooms being in certain colors to, to boost creativity. There are major, major companies who follow this type of philosophy uh, because they know that it works. But I think a lot of times it's still under the radar. Um, but having a, a business that promotes spirituality and helps my growth uh, it has always been a mission to me and, and why I started Purposeful Platforms to really be able to do that in a more expansive way. It's funny because I grew up in a culture uh, being Chinese that feng shui was normal, right? Like it was, it was perfectly normal for someone to come in and and look at how your your office is arranged or how your house is. And even to this day, I remember my mom saying, "Okay, you can't put the bed, you know, right here directly across from the door because that's not good for the chi." <laughs> right. And it, it was it was normal, but I had never thought about it, and until it became 
uh, more mainstream. So it's it's interesting how perspective can shift uh, when more and more people are talking about it, and and especially uh, in in business yeah. cultures too. Well, and so much of this work comes from ancient cultures, mm-hmm. right? That we've um, we've retold and we've repurposed for what our needs are. Um, it's it's the same thing, you know, when when Dr. Wayne Dyer um, interpreted, you know, the wisdom of the Tao, and you know, authors like um, like Gabby Bernstein and and many others who um, study a Course in Miracles and then interpret it based on um, you know how they live their life and they and then they teach their audience. There isn't much that's new anymore, unless you're like a research scientist or you're in tech or you're really you know inventing. All of these philosophies go back to somebody's core culture, and we we reinterpret it. And I think what's amazing about that is that I have clients come to me all the time and say, I can't talk about this because somebody else already is. And my response to them is, but it's your experiences and it's your interpretation that make this magic. That's what makes it your your idea or your philosophy or the way you want to write your book or run your business. It's because you're the only one with your experiences so you're seeing it through your lens and that unique story is what you know what makes something marketable coming up you'll hear Rochelle's top tips for getting your own unique story out into the world and the importance of being in the teacher's seat do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share i'd love to hear from you Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. If you like funny people talking, I think maybe you should check us out. That's Elsie, the producer for Funny People Talking. I'm Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts. And also with me is... Danielle, I'm one of the other hosts. And you know what, Elsie? I actually think you're a funny person. And on the show, you do talk. So it really lives up to its name. So if you love great interviews that have a lot of heart, improv comedy, and just a really fun discussion, you should check out the podcast Funny People Talking on Mouth Media Network and wherever the best podcasts are found. Because I think this is one of the best podcasts, don't you, Elsie? Well, duh. What about you, Danielle? Well, duh. And what about you, all the listeners out there? So you must believe all these people. We don't lie at all. But we are funny. Listen to Funny People Talking every Monday and really anytime. It's a podcast. Yeah, and we don't lie. Rochelle, I think what you've done with your business is something that's very needed. If there is someone out there who has a story that they may or may not know whether they want to actually share it in a book format or or any other medium, what would be some advice that you'd give them, uh, and specifically also around their mindset? Because I feel like their biggest barrier is probably themselves. That's a great question. Mindset is usually the first thing to come into play, not just from um, the hesitations someone may feel about writing a book or sharing their story, but um, the question of where do I fit in to this sort of 
um, busy, you know, noisy marketplace uh, when it comes to wellness and spirituality because it's grown so much. I think people often feel like, um, well, you know, so and so is already telling this story, or they've they're sharing a, a similar philosophy. And what I always tell my clients is you know, like I said, you're the only one that's lived your life. And so you're interpreting things through your lens. So writing a book has an incredible healing quality to it. Just, uh, you know, the the fingers on the keyboard, uh, the audio recording of it, or the, the, the pen to paper, as many people actually still do, uh, is, is a sort of releasing of your story into the world so that you can help other people. Um, most of the people that I work with are out to help others because of what they've experienced. It's incredibly noble, intimate work. Um, and whether that fits a traditional publishing model or a self-publishing model or just a passion project is um, a case-by-case basis and something I talk people through when it comes to their options. Um, But what's incredibly important is the ability to talk openly and freely about what your message is. You can't go 50% of the way when you're writing a book because you're going to have to promote it. You're going to have to talk about it. So you have to feel really engaged and really ready to take that next step to help people and to get your word out there because it's a long journey from the beginning of writing a book to publishing it, to promoting it. People are always surprised by the timeline. Um, some less happy than others. So it's really um, important to be ready to fully step into it, to, to, to say this, this is the moment I'm, I'm ready to do this. There are some people I talk to that I say, sit with it, you know, take some time to see if this is really what you want. Um, Because a book isn't for everybody. And that's, that's the honest truth. Writing a book is um, quite a process, quite a journey. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of times a book is just a, a tool to growing your bigger business. So what do you want out of this book? What do you want it to do for you? What's the mission of the book? Um, so I think that mindset is so important because it's a long haul. And so you have to be vulnerable while at the same time having a thick skin and and not letting other people deter you from fulfilling the dream that's yours. Mm. You you talked about how not everyone uh, will will be an author, and also that it's not just writing it, which I think is already you know a, a big enough process in itself. It's then also promoting it and making sure that there is an audience uh, receptive and who who will read or buy or whatever um, get, get their hands on on that book. What happens when you have people who who are introverted who who can't imagine they'll be doing public speaking or doing a a book reading or touring you know how how would they get their word out or or what are some options that you uh, that you'd recommend for them yeah the promotional platform is everything when it comes to the book because you could have an amazing book 
But if you don't have the platform, no one's going to know about it. So they go hand in hand. So many people will write a book and hand it to a publisher, for example, and think that their work is done when really it's just the beginning. You've got probably a good 18 months of talking and promoting that book and building an audience that by the time it comes to publish is chomping at the bit to have it. Um, But what I do to sort of talk to people that um, are intimidated by the process is just to remind them to sit in their teacher's seat. So when we look at social media, um, Facebook in particular, because it's it's a, the best platform for for selling books, that's for sure. Um, but when they're when they're promoting to just teach, just storytell, give somebody your story and give them something to think about, give them um, a tip or something, a thought to carry with them for the rest of the day, something that's impacted you. Um, but being able to teach from the content is really important. Um, and without that platform, it's it's really challenging, not only to get a book deal, uh, but to be able to promote the book even if you self-publish. That's a question that comes up for me a lot. Well, if I don't have the promotional platform, can't I just self-publish? The truth is, if you self-publish, there's even fewer people that are going to know about it because 100% of it relies on your own platform. So your email list, your social following. You know, if you don't have your core community, then it's then it's, you know, it's incredibly challenging to get people to know about the book. So reminding people to just teach from their heart, um storytell in order to build community, um is is the best place to start until they get comfortable or get that feedback from the audience. You know, oh, this was great. I can't wait until you do another video or some, you know, some type of feedback that goes, oh my gosh, I'm helping people. And then they want to do more. So it's a process, but being in that teacher's seat, you know, owning your story and your expertise and, and teaching heart-centered work um, is the best place to start. Mm. There's a... Uh, there was a time when when I was really focused on manifesting uh, a book, and I knew that it was going to take time. and And I remember this vision that I had, where it was. This is I I like to daydream. That's sort of my where my manifestation juices come from. And I was sitting on the subway, and I remember closing my eyes and thinking. You know, this person just comes up to me randomly, a stranger on the street, and says, Julie, oh, my God, I read your book. I love that. And and proceeded to have a conversation. And I remember in my own daydream feeling all of those emotions, surprise, shock, just gratitude um, for for getting over the hump to actually write it and get it out into the world. And so that's been the one thing that I focus on is that one moment walking down the streets of New York. I love that. And you know, as someone who who works with manifestation, that manifestation isn't just thinking the thought, right? It's feeling it as if it's already happened, but also taking the steps to make it happen, right? I think sometimes people um, think that if they sit back and just say, oh, I want this, then it's done. They're putting the um putting the request if you will out there is step 1 but doing the due diligence of 
of taking each step forward to make it happen is also a big piece of the pie. I remember um, when The Secret came out and a lot of the core teachers, not from the film or the book, but the core teachers um, that I worked with in my space um, had mixed feelings about it because a lot of it was about um, uh, sort of material things. And they were worried that it would give people the false impression that if you just thought, oh, I want that necklace or oh, I want that bike, that it just appears in your life, right? But at the basis of it, they would say, okay, well, if it has opened up one more you know, pair of eyes to the ability that our thoughts create impact in our lives, then good for that. You know, then that's, then it's doing what it's supposed to do. And then hopefully those people will find their way um, to experiencing and learning the deeper work of what, you know, manifesting can really do. Um, so I, I always say with my girlfriends all the time, you know, we put things out into the universe, right? If you don't say it, they can't be. Like, so it's owning the dream that you want, but also not ignoring the signs, you know, when little things come your way so that you can take a step forward, you know, it's keeping your eyes open to, um, sort of the gifts that are along the way. I like when you say that, because there are definitely times when my ego mind will say, oh, all this manifestation, you know, what's up with it? If, if it were truly real, then my life would look a certain way. And and then I have to remind myself that when I am in that energy of feeling that particular emotion, whether it's gratitude or um, uh, just thankfulness or, or joy that, that at some point I have been able to help someone, that my perspective has shifted. And maybe the rational way of, of seeing it is that when my perspective has shifted – I, I am more open. I, when I see an opportunity, then I might actually take it when before I might not have seen it as an opportunity. I might have seen it as a closed door or I might not have even noticed it. It's sort of like um, there was there was one time my my husband had he's kind of like Wayne Dyer in that he likes looking for pennies on the ground <laughs> and and sort of just as a sign of abundance everywhere. And one day, I think he saw some some other, maybe it was like dollar or even 10 or $20. It was something a lot higher than a penny. And no one else saw it. Super busy street. No one else saw it. And that's something similar where if you are looking for those types of gifts, if you are looking for the opportunity, if you're looking for um, something that will help you get on the path to writing that book or sharing that story, you will find it. And the more you share with others, if you tell your girlfriends, if you, you know, put it out into the universe by saying this, uh, you know, on a podcast or um, with your colleagues, then people are bound to help you. They might say, hey, you know, I saw this great newsletter. Um, let me forward it to you. It's about writing tips. Or, hey, you know, there's this great talk. Why don't you come join me? And and that's where I like to see the magic happen. Yep. So. I love that out there. There's actually a great book that speaks to exactly what you are saying that it's called E squared by Pam Grout. And it was a total sleeper hit. Um, 
it was one of those books that, uh, you know, when you send a manuscript to a publisher without a literary agent, sometimes they sit in what they call a slush pile. And it's when the editors can get to them, right, that they'll read them and they get read, but just not in the fast timing as it would if you had an agent presenting it for you. Um, And this book was in that pile. She sent it in on her own and an editor said, this book is magic. This is because what it is, is it's experiments that prove exactly what you're saying, that one day it's, um, you know, I'm going to to see rust colored cars today. It's like in your everyday life, driving around or walking down the street, how often do you see a rust colored car? Probably not that often. But when you're tuned in to that one thing, you see it everywhere. And the point is that these things are around us all the time. But when you state the intention, you ask for help, you say it out loud, you you bring it to your focus, and, and there's power in that. And part of the magic of manifestation for me is understanding that sometimes the timing is the gift. So I, I'm the person that wants everything right now, like 10 minutes ago, uh, not, in a, not in a demanding way, but in the way that um, when I when I want something so badly, I, I want it to happen right away. Um, you know, whether it's relationships or children or business growth or what have you, but sometimes the waiting and the divine timing of the way things happen is actually the greatest gift to me because I've either learned so much along the way that what I want changes, um, or I receive it in the exact timing it was meant to happen. So there's this, um, for me, there's this release that happens that I sort of just give it up, right? I give it up to a higher power. Um, and I try and not obsess about it because I could easily do that. Um, and just think when it's supposed to happen, it will happen. And just release it while also paying attention when something, you know, is smacking me upside the head and going, do this, do this, do this. And I'm, you know, don't ignore it, Rochelle, you got to take the next step, Um, which is really how my business started. Can you share an example of that, maybe involving your business? Sure. Yeah, I had, uh, I actually uh, was on maternity leave when I dreamt up the idea for purposeful platforms. And I had been so blessed to be with Hay House for so many years and and doing work with their top authors. Um, But I had this major creative burst that happened at the end of my maternity leave where I said, if I could build my ideal life going forward, what would it look like? You know, I have a three-month-old son. Um, You know, I have an amazing husband. Um, But if I could fill myself up to the fullest I could be every day, what would that look like? And wait, I'm sorry, before you get there, can you paint the picture of what that moment was like? Of like, what was going on? You have a baby <laughs> was it in the middle least... of the night, like changing a diaper and you had this epiphany or like, what was going on? I as, was... a, as a new mom, I was yeah. so <laughs> curious. I was delusional and sleep deprived, but also I think my brain was like ready for me to go back to work, quite honestly. I was, I was starting to fire on all cylinders like for the first time in, in months, right? And starting to feel human again. But this creative burst started happening. So first of all, I had my son 
in January of last year, and it was ridiculously cold. So I wasn't getting out a lot. So my first step was to just, hey, Rochelle, get out of the house, right, for an hour a day without the baby, right? Go to the coffee shop, just be with your thoughts, read something, you know, get out of your sweatpants. Um, so that was step one. I just started going to our local coffee shop in Brooklyn and walking and sitting there and taking my laptop and just uh, looking at the latest marketing trends and the latest PR trends, what was happening with things in the last three months since I had turned my my work brain off. And I started going, oh, my God, I kind of like this lifestyle, just like being in the coffee shop with my laptop, the freedom. I don't have to put makeup on today. <laughs> And it was it was incredibly liberating. Um, and then what happened is I was I was actually listening to a podcast from Amy Porterfield, who's a wonderful uh, marketing expert. And she just has this incredible gift for um, taking complicated things and making them really user friendly. So I was listening to one of her podcasts and I thought. This I want to help people on this level, like I want to be able to work with people in a more intimate way, the people that really need my help, right? And and the nature of, of publishing and especially at the level that I had reached is that you're you're working with the big dogs, right? Like the the number one New York Times bestselling authors, you know, big marketing dollars, you know, the the incredible marketing and promotional machines. And it was a blast. But what fills me up is really working with the people who, through just some small shifts in their business, their their lives change dramatically. But there it, there wasn't that person out there coaching them. And so when I was building my my image of what I wanted my life to be going forward now that I had this new baby, um, it was number one, being with him more, right? Having the freedom of being an entrepreneur and being able to have my schedule and my control and be able to go to a Tuesday morning music class with him and also come home and, you know, work with clients, impact people, help people get published that didn't know the the roadmap for it or uh, people who were ready to, to launch a book and didn't know how to do it, didn't have the strategy. And so I put together a business plan. By the way, I've never written a business plan in my life. This was like this was like a six-page Word document that was in no formal format. And I saved it and I I parked it to the side for someday, right? Like someday when I really want to create my ideal life, that's there for me. It's just not right now, right? You just have a baby. You, I have a great job. I have a great set of colleagues. I have great mentors. I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this right now. But one day, you know, that sounds like a great idea. And then I, I went back to work for a short time and I just really missed being with my kid, you know, and those first couple years are such a transformative time. And, and I thought, you know, maybe the time is now, you know, maybe that I take this incredible risk and that's what it was. It was an absolute risk. Um, but I never felt more sure of anything. I, actually, that's not true. 
The only other time I felt such certainty, and much to my husband's dismay because he thinks it's when I married him, um, <laughs> but it was when I moved to New York from California after living in California my whole life. There, I had this knowing, right? There was no question. There was no fear. It was this knowing that this was the right thing to do. And so I, I just had this beautiful exchange with um, you know, the heads of Hay House and said, this is where my path is leading me. And and they were incredibly supportive. And in fact, I'm working on projects with them now because it's family, right? And and they understood what I needed to to fill me up. So um, I'm so lucky to still work with so many people in this space. And so I feel very connected. And I always tell people, you know, Hey House is still my family. Um, I just, this is being home more and and kind of um, helping people in a much more intimate way was what what I needed for my next step. So, well, congratulations on taking that step, and I completely understand you. So, <laughs> little baby is is just so adorable, and that the time flies. It changes Happy birthday! Everything. Yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah. Coming up, you'll hear about the need for diverse voices in the spiritual field and how language matters. Are you interested in getting your own intuitive reading? Are you wondering how you can align more with your purpose? I offer introductory sessions to my Discover Your Purpose readings and coaching. As part of the All Possibilities community, you get 10% off the intro session. You get a one-on-one phone call with me where I'll do an assessment of your life and give you an intuitive reading on the highest guidance for you at this time. You'll get actionable steps that you can get started on to create the life you want. Just use All Possibilities 2018 as the promo code. That's All Possibilities 2018. Visit beingmypurpose.com for more information on my services. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing um, everything you've learned and uh, really in a way to empower people as they uh, write their own books to grace the bookshelves, uh, physical or digital, that exist. Um, I'm curious, since you uh, are keen on marketing, to step into the shoes of the people who are looking for these books the, the potential readers out there, what do you think they are looking for? And they is a big term. I know everyone's very different. There, there are different stages of, of uh, maybe personal or spiritual growth. But what are some things that you've noticed over time that you think work? Mm. Yeah, I, my main philosophy is to serve before you sell. So no one wants to feel like they're being sold a product or a program um, or or anything in particular. So to speak to your audience in the teacher seat, 
and the expert seat and provide real information so that the person on the other end feels heard, right? We all want to recognize ourselves in somebody else's story. Um, if they've gone through healing, we want to believe that we can go through healing too. Um, or if they have, um, you know, a life-changing way of folding their sweaters because I I just finished watching the Marie Kondo show on Netflix <laughs> and I'm addicted. But if they have a method, right, that's proven to work and proven to uh, make your life a little bit easier uh, and bring a little bit more joy, then at the end of the day, I think that's all that people are looking for. Everyone wants to feel a little bit more joy in their life. Um, so as an author or an expert, um, to teach from that place, to teach from your heart while also providing information that's going to help people take action in their own journey and take a step forward on their end is the best thing you could do. I could talk to you about Facebook and Instagram algorithms. I could talk to you about ad money, or I could talk to you about um, statistics and, and, and percentages and everything else. But at the end of the day, teaching something from your story and with the in, intention of helping others and being of service is the best thing that you can do. I want to dive a little deeper into that too. The notion of being a teacher for some people, it's it's you know they're they're the ones who want to eat it up. They you know they they want to hear everything that someone who has gone down the path a little further than them has to share. And for other people, it may be you know who who is this person to teach me or to even take on the role of a teacher? How would you navigate that? Or would you just say, you know, it's everyone has their own thoughts and maybe the book's not for them? That's definitely true. Not every book <laughs> is for everybody. That's a good place to start. Um, I think it's, I think part of being an author and building a promotional platform is owning your story and owning who you are and honoring the experiences you've had that give you a unique perspective. So whether you feel like a teacher or an expert or whether you have credentials behind your name or you've done 200 hours of a training program, um, your story can be just as impactful, if not more, than someone that maybe has all that. Because all that matters to the reader is that they resonate with your voice. So going back to the fact that not much is new anymore, what's important is your own voice, right? The way you explain things, the language you use. Are you? Do you have a girlfriend tone? Do you have a um, academic tone? You know, how do you convey the messaging? Because that's what's going to attract somebody to you and to your book. It's really in um, the the language and the feel and the lens that you're teaching from. So. It is mindset. It's 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 just owning that you have a story to tell and it may not be for everybody and that's okay. I was thinking um about when I was doing a it was a a training, a volunteer training for a nonprofit that teaches mindfulness and yoga to um to youth. Some most of the time they're in the justice system. Or, or they may be in a, a low-income high school. 
and and you would often hear especially from people of color you know it's this is not for me like i picture you know a skinny white girl that's really what they said doing this and so i don't think it's something that i'm capable of doing and and it's something that i've i haven't thought too much about but now now that i'm hearing about it from a lot of other people just the notion of um you know are there ways to increase diversity increase um, what voices we hear in the spiritual field. And so I'm curious to hear what you think and whether this is something that um, that publishers are are looking for or if this is something that that you've noticed as maybe um, if you could forecast the future of of what you'd like to see in the field. Yeah, I agree. I think that the wellness and spirituality space is lacking diversity. And from um, a business standpoint, what happens is um, that when publishers look at content to acquire, they're looking at the promotional platform again. Um, and so sometimes and depend, publishers acquire different type of content. So one publisher may like something that's deeply spiritual. One publisher may like something that has like a fitness angle or a movement angle or something like that. They're look, looking for a promotional platform to help promote it because publishing is a partnership. But I think we're in a time where we need to start looking beyond that. It's it is sort of the chicken and the egg, right? Which comes first? Is it the book and the platform, the platform, the book? Um, they both matter. Um, but I think that there is a need for diverse voices in this space because again, that's more of the unique lens. That's more of of teaching and and healing that can be done for even more people. Um, and so this is a very hot topic in the spirituality and wellness community, um, that there is uh, an absolute lack of diversity. And I know for a fact, not only are there um, people on the ground working to change this, work the way, working the way we talk about it, um, helping um, the conversations happen. But I do know that publishers especially are looking for even more diversity in this specific genre. And so I hope to see a lot of changes for that coming up. That's really promising to hear. What are, you had mentioned, like there, there's um, step, there are steps being taken towards that. What are some examples of steps that you'd like to see that people like myself or really anyone who's listening can um, take the initiative on their own. Like, what does that look like? Is it, is it having conversations? Is it meetups? What, what can you describe as a vision for us so that we can bring that into fruition? Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm in the, in the sort of the marketing space. So for me, the, the first thing that needs to happen is is everyone needs to take a really close look at the language they're using right how are we how are we um being fully inclusive of everybody and that's not just um ethnicity that's you know the way we look at gender uh it's it's the way we dress address humanity as a whole and making sure that our language on our websites and our programs are inclusive um, and feel welcoming of everybody. 
Um, I think on the larger scale, it, I think it's it's continuing to have a conversation, maybe uh, bringing in teachers and ambassadors that can help guide corporations how to um, be be making more of a conscious impact. Um, and I wish I had the quick fix solution, um, but I think it's just continuing to have a, a positive conversation on how to grow and move forward um, because it's it's there's change on the horizon absolutely um, but I think it's it's definitely um, continuing to be open and honest and and taking some of the fear out of the conversation um, and really talking about how do we all move forward together um, and and bring more diversity into the wellness space. You you talked about language and how important it is and and how would that impact how books are sold, whether it's in their title or in how a book is promoted? Yeah, I mean, there's there's always topics that are trending and there's topics that have been around forever that just get rebranded, essentially. So we talked a little bit about, um, you know corporations that are using feng shui, right? And there was a time in probably mm, around 2008, 2010, where feng shui books were a harder sell. And then you started seeing all these products that were about conscious homes, right? And and having, um, you know, your business set up for maximum success, right? And so many of these theories are feng shui, they just got the language rebranded. You know, the language became something fresh or it became um, something that that seemed to have a little sparkle to it, right? Like clearing spaces and, um, you know, conscious, you know, furniture placement, right? It doesn't matter how you say it, but no one was saying feng shui for a good couple years. And but the concept lives on just through different language. And it's kind of what you see a lot of authors doing in the spiritual space, right? They're they're retitling things, they're rebranding these age old concepts um, in order to bring in new people and enlighten different audiences that may not have picked it up if it said feng shui or uh, you know transcendental meditation or whatever it is, right? We we find language to reach new people, and that's the power of really great marketing is being able to shift up what we're saying to attract new people. That reminds me of the term psychic and right. how a lot of people, when I say it, people either get turned off by it and they have specific connotations of what it means and other people see it as an opening to ask more questions and others others understand. Because sometimes when I use the word intuitive, not everyone truly understands what that means either. It's almost <laughs> like there needs to be a dictionary of, right. of all Intuitive these terms. or medium. Right. It's like, right, it's been, it's been rebranded a few times. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's true because some people would have a, an impression or a, a, a connotation to what psychic is. And so if you feel like that may alienate a certain audience, then you open it up by saying intuitive because there is the mystery of, well, what is that? And when they realize it's something like being intuitive is a process you can learn, right? It may not be the specific gift that you have, but it makes it even more accessible because it's something, oh, I could have that too. So 
the language is powerful. Mm, love it. Rochelle, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. How can people reach out to you and learn more about your work? Thank you for having me. People can find me at purposefulplatforms.com and feel free to sign up for my email list and get uh, new information about programs. Cool. Well, thank you. Happy birthday again to thank your little you. one. Thanks so much. And uh, thank you for also being a model for someone who's brave enough to kind of take a step and um, and just do what it takes to create the life that you want. It's it's not easy. Mm-hmm. I understand. So, <laughs> Thank you. The adventure is fun. Indeed. And for you, uh, let's see, do you have a story that you want to share that maybe you've been dreaming about putting into a book? Why don't you open up your perspective and see what opportunities you can seize this week to get a little closer to making that happen? I'm Julie Chan, and until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.